Let's see. Uh, so I was just like, I was watching those Pablos, Pablos, Pablo Cuevas Instagram stories. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty funny. Like, uh, you know, he had the time and space to get creative with his, uh, with his output there. It was pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, he really committed to some of the bits, didn't he? Like some of those props, I don't know how he made them or built them or whatever. But he, and that one where he's sort of like in the hospital bed and he's got the heart monitor on the TV. Yeah, and stuff. That's like, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then the one where he like he constructed a little coffin for himself, and uh, yeah. I, I guess he rigged something so that he could snap the coffin closed on top of his face. Um, yeah, and he had the Aussie Aussie open balls as these on his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, par- poor Pablo. I mean, 14 days of hotel quarantine is pretty intense. Yeah, it is pretty intense, especially the anxiety building in the back of your mind. Like, I am about to play a Grand Slam. <laughs> yeah, and like, I can't even... I mean, the idea that these people are hitting tennis balls against walls in hotel rooms as a way of training... is complete insanity i mean it 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 also just seems to me like they could have planned something where they put all these athletes like on an estate where they're quarantined together where they could still get to a a tennis court like surely there's space for that somewhere like but i guess it's a government restriction right like definitely well this was one of Djokovic's suggestions which he got vilified for so hard he was like you know he put that list out and everyone was calling it this list of demands but really it was just like sort of a list of things that would make our lives a little bit easier while we're in this prep mode and one of them was like where possible put people on a on in in private accommodation with courts but I know you're right though it was it it is the regulation they have to go into hotel quarantine but I like your suggestion of finding an estate block booking the whole thing and just rotating on the tennis court that's there because surely that was an option. Surely Surely that could have been just as effective. And right. And I feel for Novak because at this point, it's sort of like he opens his mouth and people just assume that whatever he says is uh, like somehow loathsome or like worthy of ridicule. And it's like, you know, this, I mean, he's a politician. I realize that about Novak. Like he, he wants to be a politician. He's, Mm. He's happy to put himself forward on behalf of other people, and he has a perspective. And maybe I don't. Maybe we're not going to always agree with it. But he's trying to represent other tennis players. Like, you know, what are they like? You're gonna like they're yeah. gonna stand up and say something from their hotel room on Instagram that's gonna move the needle. Like Novak Djokovic has an audience, so. Exactly, exactly. And he wasn't even in Melbourne, but a lot of the media reporting was sort right. of like talking as though he's part of that in Melbourne hotel complaining about the Melbourne situation and he's like hang on a second I'm in Adelaide I'm not even I'm not complaining I'm, I'm in a good situation I'm just trying to talk on behalf of these other players uh, because what am I supposed to do just say nothing and enjoy being privileged or do I try and do something with my voice he's, he's just like he sort of just put that statement out and he was just like what, am, like, what do you want from me <laughs> yeah well if yeah he can't really win he can't win with everybody I think other p- tennis players must appreciate it um, I was so after I looked at uh, Cuevas's Instagram, I looked at uh, I was looking at Yulia Putintseva's um, because I, that was the first Instagram story I saw where with a tennis player like hitting a ball against a wall. <laughs> Just like yeah. how many how many like shitty frame pictures got destroyed uh, during the making of this Instagram story. Um, 
<laughs> but uh, Yulia, you know, I love Yulia. She's like a firecracker and just a big personality. And I, I just imagine like being in the room next to her. Oh, this is just ridiculous. Yes. Elliptical trainer delivery. Uh, can someone take these boxes, please? And I've also got a coffin, some wigs, I've created tennis balls, and an ECG machine. Um, I don't think this is for me. Hmm, are you not Pablos Cuevas? I think you mean Pablo. What room number do you have there? Hmm, is this not 416? All oh, right, sorry, mate. All this stuff's got to go somewhere, though. This is room 415. I, I'm really sorry. I have an important business call to take care of. Please excuse me. Grand Hyatt Hilton front desk. Um, yes, hello. Um, I'm in room 415, and well, I'm not sure how to put this, but it seems there's a bit of a racket in the room next to mine. Probably room 414. Listen, normally I wouldn't make a fuss about it, but I have a very important business meeting tomorrow, and it's after 10 p.m. Very well. Let me call up and see if I can help. Evening, ma'am. Very well. Uh, there's been a bit of a... Mice, you say? Well, I understand, but... Right, I... I know. I know, there's really nothing... Sir, it appears you're next to one of the Australian Open competitors. Uh, well, that's nice. I mean, look here, with the coronavirus, we all have to make some sacrifices. We should all be grateful that these world-class athletes have flown to Melbourne at great personal risk. Yes, I, I understand, but the country arranged to fly all these people in. Can't we find them a tennis court somewhere? Government regulation, sir. We've been at COVID zero for some time. Can't take any chances that a stray infected tennis ball ends up killing somebody's grandmother. But anyway, Yulia, she had this sign, uh, like there's a, there's a photo on her Instagram, you know, old school Instagram, and uh, it's her standing in front of the window, and it says, um, let me make sure I get this right, this piece of reporting right, she has a, uh, she's holding up a cardboard sign that says, we need fresh air to breathe. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, so dramatic. <laughs> and, and then somebody named Tiffany Corcoran says, Australians are getting pretty tired of whinging tennis players. Lots of Australian nationals are still standard <laughs> overseas awaiting flights. Toughen up or go home. <laughs> and that had eight, 822 likes. <laughs> so. Wow. I mean. Yeah, it's so weird how that everyone is just being like, the tennis players are the enemy right now. They're the worst people in the world. Uh, it's yeah, I don't know. Like they did complain a little bit at the first, but they all followed the rules and they all did the thing. Yeah. I guess the frustration is is that some people have been trying to get home and they haven't been able to, and tennis players seemingly just got on a flight that was convenient and came straight here. So I can understand that frustration, but it's not like 
it's not the tennis players I right. need to do that. It's Tennis Australia. It's it's Australia that put this on and invited them here. So like, if you're going to direct any anger or frustration at anyone, it should be at Tennis Australia, not these or players. The, or the Australian <laughs> government. I mean, I get that there's this issue with Australian nationals being stranded overseas. Like, that is a legitimate yeah, problem. Yeah, exactly. That's a better idea than and government. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, right, there, there aren't commercial flights uh, the way there were pre-pandemic. Uh, it was hard for me to get out of the country. You know, I can only imagine that there's a legitimate problem there. And yeah, if you if you're a citizen or a PR and you can't get home, that's that's really intense. But that has nothing to do with the tennis players. Like this is yeah. I mean, yeah. okay, the system is you know the system's a little fucked up that it that the priorities are quite this way. I know it's hard to it, maybe it, if you don't care about the tennis, like you don't see the upside. I mean, this is literally what you guys locked down for. If you didn't want to have, you know, public events that were, that are, you know, that are safe and relatively low risk compared to what everybody else in the world is dealing with right now, why did you lock down so hard for six months? Like, this is the payoff, the fact that you get to still have this event. So I guess, yeah, I mean, next week um, we'll have had these tournaments. Is the, is the ATP Cup happening this week? Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's all happening in Melbourne. I think, yeah, I think it is happening And I think it's, all, it's just singles now, right? Because uh, they just they just don't. I haven't been following closely. Uh, maybe not. I see Michael Pervalorakis. uh is <laughs> playing is still playing for two years, but actually he's playing singles probably I... <laughs> this is his time to shine ATP yeah. Cup is this guy's That's time it. to shine I mean you got all these superstars and good old Pervy it's not looking good for Pervy Larocca's here in the second set no no at this point with the injury he just wants to yeah. Move on. Yeah. Get to the third. He's not coming back in five love. Not worth the effort. Yeah, I agree. Pover the Rockus. Come on, Alex. <laughs> 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 he holds his own. I'm, I, I wish he was around more, but I sort of like that the he just comes out of, out of the out, out for the ATP Cup now. Like that's yeah, his thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was. Um, I mean, we, we had that one match. Who was he playing? That it was it was it Millman? Did uh, he play Millman and like take a set or something? Like I, he took a set off somebody. Good. <laughs> yeah, it might have been Millman. He definitely took a set. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who was that? That was in prison. That was so funny. Uh, it's crazy. That was a year ago. Yeah, a year ago, and we were in, we were in uh, Brisbane together watching the the ATB Cup and in Sydney. Um, those were that was fun. I thought it was a great tournament. Uh, oh no, and there's yeah, there me are too. Still doing doubles, they just don't promote it. <laughs> <laughs> Standard. Yeah, totally. I think I can 
you feel Matt's displeasure that they uh, just <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> sweeping the doubles under the rug. Yeah, it's actually exciting doubles in that one though. They should promote it more because the the, the single players do like the high the superstars or whatever come in the in the teams and, and get involved. It's actually kind of like a a special sort of doubles. I think. Yeah, totally. It, it like I mean that's the thing the, the the team competition. I just think it's easier for casual fans to excuse me to latch on. You know, like like oh, I'm just gonna root yeah. for my country or whatever country appeals to me or ha- you know I love Rafa Nadal I'm going to root for Spain yeah. I don't know who's this Batista Agut guy like and you just get into the yeah. the you know the whole the entirety of the competition a little bit more um so and yeah and it it does it totally elevates doubles I mean I just I can't you know it's just a limit to how much tennis I can take in you know during a grand slam I can't do doubles I I'm watching like no same. 50 matches in two weeks you know like i gotta draw the line somewhere yeah doubles feels like a whole other world that you have to delve into and uh, all these other plays you have to learn and the dynamics there's just so much more to take in i just i'm the same i I can't there's there's too many singles storylines and things happening for me to get involved in the doubles sometimes but um, did you, but speaking of all of that, the first exhibition thing happened in Adelaide uh, yesterday or the day before oh, yesterday. Oh, really? First, um, yeah, they had like a warm up instead of, I think there's usually a real tournament there, but this time they just did some kind of exhibition. Okay. But it was a crazy lineup. It was basically like top four of whatever and plus some stars on both the men's and the women's side. So Djokovic was supposed to play Yannick Sinner, but then uh, on just before the match, he pulled out and then so then Krajanovic Philip Krajanovic replaced him so it was Krajanovic versus Sinner but then in the second set Djokovic came out and finished it off in place of Krajanovic <laughs> um, <laughs> that's cool tag team uh, so I don't know I think he had like a really intense yeah it, yeah it's cool to see like the weird ta- version of tag team tennis I'd kind of like to see that more but he had a really intense blister on his right hand you could see it, it had like that um, that yellow antiseptic sort of Ugh. stuff on it when he came out um, yeah uh, and then who else played? So I actually missed that one. I tuned in just sort of after that. But uh, Team and Nadal wow. played. And on the women's side, did I see that was a that was a really really good match. There was some real rust. Yeah, some rust in the volleys from both players, especially from Nadal. He shanked some volleys, and everyone was like, "That was sort of like not taking it too seriously because it was an exhibition." Right. And the first couple, they laughed about it, but then after he did it a couple of times, you could uh, see on his face he was like, "Ooh, that's kind of yeah. concerning." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't be missing those now. Well, joke's I, over. I can visualize the Rafa Nadal expression, the like, uh, like the, just the berating of the self. You know, the the disbelief that he could have possibly missed this volley. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and no, no, uh, Saka and Serena played. All right. Uh, Damn. And Halep and Barty played as Damn. well. Yeah, yeah, some good matches. So yeah, that's they were cool. Great. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like a great exhibition. And th- there are, um, I guess, there are two two fifties happening uh, alongside the ATP Cup. Is that that's on the men's side? I don't know what's happening on the women's side, uh, but there are some warm ups. Yeah, I think similar. Yeah, there are, and I think there are similar versions, maybe two of the same sort of level on the women's side too. Um, I think they've changed, speaking of, I think they've changed all the WTA names yep. of 
levels, have, the tiers of tournaments. Finally, I haven't I haven't looked at that properly yet, but that's about yeah, time. Finally, they just they're two fifties, five hundreds, and thousands. Uh, yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. It's not like they. they <laughs> what took them know, so they long? They just want to be different, I guess. But I, I mean, that's been yeah. kind of a. What was it before? It was like yeah, like ma- uh, not masters. Masters is what the men's are called. It was premier. There was like. It was like mandatory, yeah. Right. Premier mandatory, premier optional, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the like nobody watches this level tournament, um, two fifty. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, that's weird. So, what else is happening mm. in the tennis world? I'm sort of like a little bit out of the loop. You got any good news, gossip, um, rumors? Well, Bianca Andreescu is finally oh, coming yeah. back after what nearly two years or something of injury. Yeah. Um, she's been so she's back, and apparently she's got a full schedule booked as well. So I think someone, one of the Jose Morgado or someone who I follow on Twitter, is a very good sort of Twitter journalist. He posted her um, uh, her upcoming, you know, things that yeah. she's penciled in, and she's really just gone for it, which is exciting, but also in the back of my mind I'm like is it a good idea for you the super injury prone to just go from zero to a hundred again right. like <laughs> have we learned anything yet <laughs> I do wonder though I mean she's possible yeah. that she's been healthy enough to play for months and just hasn't because I yeah. think at the US Open it was she was kind of she was probably kind of borderline but she missed over a year I mean she's got to be is she on a protected ranking at the AO it must be something like that um Mm, good point. Otherwise, sure. like you know, if she's unseated, like oh, there's going to be some interesting early round matchup uh, looming. Yeah. But it's hard to yeah. say. You know, they they're fudging all that stuff. You know, interesting to hear Ash Barty uh, back out on the court. She's another one who's been completely missing since uh, since things started locking down. Yeah, some people were not really happy about her maintaining number one, not even stepping on the court all, all of last yeah. year or most of last yeah. year. You know, with a lot of players being like, come on, this is not fair. We're out here traveling around, trying to get through it, trying to do what we can, and she's just staying number yeah. one. There's actually yeah, a, a but, picture of me yeah. holding a cardboard sign that says, Ash Barty is not number one um, in front of my hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia Kennan is actually number one in the world. Um, yeah, I mean, but what are they, they going to do? It, it is interesting because she... She could have played, you know, she opted not to. And I think the whole thing, the, the way they preserve rankings was just to kind of say like, look, if you have, you feel like it's not okay f- to play, that's your decision and we're not going to penalize you for it. But yeah, it's just a strange year. We'll see, yeah. we'll see how she plays now that, you know, she's coming back. It was a pretty good match. I watched it mm. between her and Halep. It was pretty good. Halep got there in the end, but it Barty was playing really well, like really heavy hits from the baseline. Her slice was still really strong in there. Yeah, and cool. It was it was a high level, actually, really good. Yeah, yeah. Was I was good. listening to the uh, Yvonne Gulagong uh, episode of the tennis podcast. They did. They're doing like an Australian Open relived thing this week. I mean, they just they yeah, just right. pump out the episodes now. They're they're a total machine. <laughs> it's like way more than I can take in. You know. Um, yeah, no, I saw those coming through the replays. I saw them popping up in my app, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to go in these relived episodes, but I saw that one pop up, the Yvonne Gulagong one, but I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, I mean, it? it's it's good, but I think, um, you know, one of the, like, little trivia tidbits I took away from it was that, like, Gulagong, like, you know, 
post career, she she's only um, really interested in watching like Roger Federer and then later Ash Barty. <laughs> like like she just she just wanted to see like a certain type of player, and I think they they were um, they were kind of comparing Ash Barty to Federer, like kind of this this attacking and Gulagong, like sort of you know this the attacking backhand slice that's dropped short in the in the court and you know kind of like gracefulness mm. and I, I never really thought of Barty that way I mean I think I just struggled to really get into Barty as a fan because she doesn't emote um but you know obviously she's got all this variety and uh and talent that uh is interesting so I don't know I'm curious to kind of watch her some more now that she's back and see if there's something there I can kind of you know get into yeah I'm I'm the same with her uh, I just I don't connect with her at all. I don't if I, she's just not really on my list of favorite players on the women's side yeah. at all. Even though she's an incredible player, I just don't. She's just I don't know. I just don't really get excited by her or really. Yeah, yeah. she's just I, so I don't know what she's it is. just so low key, so mellow. You know, I I feel yeah. like there's all you know we've we've joked about this before. You know, like who's who are the fans who love the Milos Raonic's? You know that. They just get they get really into this like slow, no like no energy kind of match, you know like like I just I just wish yeah. I could get there, you know like I wish I could enjoy all, you know like a Bianca Andreescu Novak Djokovic like fiery attitude match, and then also this like mellow Ash Barty, <laughs> Raonic kind of chillness. Yeah. Nothing happening. Yeah. So I've gone back in the archives and unearthed a little segment we did last year after the three of us and a couple other friends attended a Milos Raonic Marin Cilic match at the Australian Open. This was the the last match in uh, the tragic summer that uh, we got to share, and uh, I thought I would you know get those reflections into the mix here. So. Last week, we had the privilege of seeing a match that historians will refer to as the match that time forgot. Marin Cilic and Milos Raonic. It's hard to describe really the experience of sitting there through a match that was so uninteresting that people in the crowd would call out, Hey Milos! Why don't you play some tennis? It was defined more by strange meta occurrences like crowd noise or when Milos Raonic served a ball into the net so hard the net disintegrated. Or actually maybe it somehow twisted the, the ribbon on the top of the net kind of twisted in on itself and he had to summon the chair umpire down from the chair and the motorized chair gradually descended and the umpire came and looked at the net and said, there's nothing wrong here. And she got back into her chair and she rode back up to the top and that was, that was a period of time that passed. And we sat there. And I said to Alex at some point, I said, you know, I think everybody who plays against Milos Raonic has a responsibility to the sport, for the good of the sport 
to defeat Mila's Ravage, to take him out, to make sure that he can do no more harm by making the sport unbearably painful to watch. It occurred to me at some point that attending that match was like the tennis tragic's equivalent of suffering for art. I went into it knowing that it would be painful to watch, difficult, tedious, excruciating. And yet, I tried to embrace those aspects of it. I tried to soak in that feeling. Maybe there's something here to appreciate and enjoy that I'm, I'm missing. Somebody in our group noticed that Milos was uh, doing a little happy dance, a little side-to-side -side dance as he waited to re return serves left and right and left and right. And I think that might be what his programmers thought would qualify as passing for personality. One of the oddest things that happened in the match that time forgot was when Marin Cilic received a time violation. Well, it's not that he received it. Something happened. He got a little distracted. He looked up at the umpire. The umpire looked over at him. She said, what, do you, do you want me to give you the violation? He said, yes, give me the time violation. This will be one of the most dramatic moments of the match when I receive a time violation of my own volition. You know, your eyes can only see things moving so quickly. There's a limit to the information we can process. There were times that these serves, it almost seemed as if the ball was just passing through the racket. They were, it was moving so quickly. Somebody would swing a racket. The ball would not be touched. There was no tennis. There could be no tennis. The ball, it was almost, as if the physics simulation was broken somehow, that it was only, that the ball was in one lo physical location in one microsecond and in the next microsecond, it was somehow a meter beyond that and it never actually went between the two spaces. So we sat there and we watched Marin Cilic bounce the ball. He bounced the ball again and again and again and again, and we would count. I would count. It was a way of trying to focus. It was like a, a focus exercise of my own to just try and take in the pace, the slow pace. I imagine that somebody appreciates this type of match. The sort of person who enjoys month-long meditation retreats where you're not allowed to speak or make eye contact. People who like to watch bread rise in the oven. Who like to chew every bite of food 10 times before swallowing. Readers of old, staid volumes of history or sociology. The kind who like to follow up on the bibliography. Check the source material. Practitioners of tantric sex. 
Milos Raonic's mother, Roger Federer. Somehow, by just being there and sitting with it, you reach new forms of pleasure, new levels of experience. But maybe I'm just not ready. What do you think, Matt? Dear David, I got your message about the Milos Ranić Marincilic match. And yes, it was an experience. Um, I guess because there's no, there was no rallies in the match. It was just a servathon. And so when there's no rallies, there's not a lot of tennis, and it's just waiting for the person to serve and wondering whether it's going to be an ace or it's going to be a fault. Or you know, I agree with you. A meditative experience, if you can kind of. If you can sit there for a few hours and and um, endure that, it's it's something. I kind of liked it though, and I do like the way it makes you focus on the little things. Like you mentioned, how many bounces Marin Cilic does. He bounces the ball so much, and you kind of can be entranced by that. And the dance Ranić does when he's receiving the serve. He yeah, he really does dance those feet. The umpire, the ball kids, the other, the other people in the stands. Um, in those kind of matches, people try and make their own fun, so they call out funny things like, "Hey, hey, Milos, why don't you play a rally?" I, I was actually rooting for Chilich to take that third set, even though it would have meant we had to sit there for a lot longer. Um, but yeah, I guess in some ways, thankfully, he he didn't, and the match ended. Some tennis is not as entertaining as other tennis. Talk soon. I I sometimes get like these clickbait articles in my Google News uh, from weird tennis outlets, like, and there was one that showed up the other day that was like. Like Milos Raonic serving lefty, giving other players on tour nightmares. (laughs) I was like, like, (laughs) what? And of course you read the article and it has nothing to do with that. That doesn't tell you anything. It was completely misleading. Like actually, (laughs) like in an interview, Raonic was just like, I just wish I could serve lefty like Shapovalov. And that was it. That was the entire story. <laughs> that was it. They made a whole clickbait yeah. thing about it. Yeah, yeah, classic. You'll never believe what Rafa Nadal said about Roger Federer. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. <laughs> Give me more. I know, and I'm such a sucker for it. I'm just like, all right. I know, me too. I guess I did. <laughs> I mean, the stories aren't always that exciting. I mean, it the the hotel the players in hotel quarantine is a fun one just because it's different, you know. Like, uh, I wish they had made like a reality TV show out of it or something. That would have been. I know it would have been funny. Some of them would have been up for it too. Yeah, I reckon totally. Like, well, you could stay in a hotel room by yourself uh, for fourteen days, or we'll put you on an estate uh, with 
five fellow male players and five uh, female players, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. You can vote each other off yeah, every week. That's, that's right, yeah. yeah. It has nothing to do with your play. It's, they just vote. Actually, the other thing uh, that I remember, someone got, I can't remember which one it is now, and I should get this right before I say it, but I can't remember even who it was to look it up, but someone on the women's side got banned or or whatever for doping. Did you hear about that um, one? ah, I did see something about that. Let's look it up real quick. Yeah. Was it Yastremska? Is it Diana? Yeah, it might be. Yeah, I did read something about it. It's a provisional doping ban. All right, let's do a little live uh, Guardian uh, reading. The world number 29, Diana Yastremska, has been provisionally suspended from all tennis activity following a positive doping test. A urine sample given by Yastremska for an out-of-competition test on November 24th contained a metabolite of misterolone, a synthetic Theatic testosterone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. And the thing was, she um, flew to Australia, well, like went went to appeal it. That happened before uh, she came, and then was like, "Nah, this is wrong. I'm gonna do it." Flew anyway. As she's like, "I'm playing." Appealed uh, while she was here, or just as she was leaving, or whatever. And while she was in quarantine, the appeal got overturned, and so she's just here, and she's still. I think she's still like, "Nah." I, I think I'm going to play. This is all wrong. But everyone's like, oh, you're stupid. <laughs> right. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Diana. She's like, she got in the, do you remember the blackface in- incident last year with Yastremska? Oh, that's right. What was that? That's, oh, I forgot about it was, that. It's one of these things. Like, I don't, I don't think she's a monster or anything by any stretch. I think she's like, just a little bit ignorant yeah she's a young kid you know like she doesn't she definitely probably doesn't really understand racial politics in the usa but it was all you know it was like post george floyd and black lives matter protests were Mm. happening and she posted a picture of herself on instagram or like a series of photos like there's like where half her face was painted white and half was painted black that's yeah. right. And like I guess the message was like it doesn't really it doesn't matter. Like we're all the same. We're all people, you know? <laughs> and like just missing the context of like what, you know, blackface and the history of it and why that is offensive to people and um but yeah and, and she didn't yeah. she never apologized for it, which you know, I don't know that she necessarily needs to. She just kind of like doubled down on it. She's like I didn't intend to be a jerk, but I don't get it. So yeah, yeah, that was a weird one. I could see the good. I sort of could see the good will behind that. The good, the good sort of intention behind that, but it definitely came off wrong. Yeah, for sure. But um, just it's more yeah. more tone deaf than anything. Like it's the sort of thing yeah. where you, you know, if it wasn't the internet, you know, hopefully like there's a friend or or somebody who knows you could pull you aside and be like, hey, you know, I I get you're trying to do something positive or like make a positive statement, but this is why it's kind of a little bit problematic. Like you just, it's not the right way to express that feeling. And yeah, I hope that happened. But because, yeah, I've told, of course, like people have said to, you know, pulled me, in fact, it happened on the, on the tennis tragic. (laughs) Like, Oh, you mean about yes. you and us? Yeah, yeah. I, right. Yeah, I always welcome that for totally. me as well. Yeah, when it's when it's brought like you know, so 
you know, I used the word gypped and I was unaware of the of the connotations and uh you and matt afterwards kind of brought it to my attention that it's like generally regarded as a pejorative against gypsy people and i was like okay that's really good to know i'm glad you caught that and told me and i won't use that term in that context anymore (laughs) like it's it's not that hard to like learn yeah move forward but yeah Totally, and it's always beneficial for everyone. I think if someone does pull you up and be like, "Great, I want to, I, want, I don't want to be doing the thing that's shitty," so thanks for exactly. letting me know. Yeah, yeah, like nobody, you don't want to just be yeah. out there like throwing words around carelessly, and nobody ever tells you you're yeah. being a jerk. Like that's way yeah. worse. Yeah, but yeah, some totally. people get defensive. You know, they're like, uh, "Whatever, it doesn't matter." So they're all like basically out of quarantine now. They're going into tournaments. Yeah, they've all just started pop- popping out, and they some of them. I think they got out last night or the night before. A lot of them went straight to the court. They're all posting Instagram stories mm. of like hitting at one a.m. <laughs> we're finally out of quarantine. Like, I love yeah. that. That's the thing they're gonna do first. You know, like I was like, yeah. as you said, they were going straight to. I thought they're going straight to the club. They're going, you know, going out to party <laughs> uh, together. You know. Spread spread the germs Let around. Yeah. Steam. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, like in those uh, Cuevas Instagram stories, there's like like day six. He's just partying by himself. He's got all this booze. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you gotta you gotta schedule in the the party. You know, make time for it. Oh, uh, he had some funny ones. Yeah. Are you going down to Melbourne at all for any of the tennis? Not sure. I've got a ticket to the uh, just um, uh, seats in Margaret okay. Court for a Saturday in the middle nice. weekend. They've sort of divided it up. Um, it's a bit different this time. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I have tickets, but the borders have been shut, but they just reopened to New South Wales. So I, th- I think I can go down now. So I'm going to check what this flight situation is. So maybe. But um. They've divided the, it up differently this year, whereas, you know, usually a ticket to Rod Laver or Margaret Court also gives you a ground right. pass so you can go and see everything. And that third stadium, which is like sort of still a big stadium, is also open included in the ground pass. But this time, that third stadium is ticketed by itself. It's not part of the ground right. pass. Uh, and if you have a, a ticket to that one or Rod Laver... You just are there. Mm. You can't go around the ground. You're just there. But if you have a ticket to Margaret Court, you can see the Margaret Court thing, but you also have access to all the outside courts oh, as well. Oh, yeah, because um, they're just in different yeah. physical parts and they don't want people mixing too yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that I, at least there will be fans on the side courts. That's cool. So they, are there grounds passes? Yeah. Um, at the time, they there might be now. I have to double check. But when I bought them late last year, the site was saying uh, there might be ground passes close to the date. We just have to see where everything's at and what the restrictions are and what we're allowed to do. But I mm. think there might be by now. But I have to yeah, double check. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just thought it was sort of in, in, enticing because it gets a bit frustrating when it's so packed. And I think yeah. a big reason of it's usually, why, it's, why it's usually so packed is because everyone in Rod Laver, if they're not feeling that match, can totally. just wander around and and those tens of thousands of people can just fill out the grounds and that gets a bit much. So totally. if Rod Laver's blocked out of, of, the, of the side courts, that could be sort of a bit nicer. Yeah, mm. for sure. I, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I went 
to the AO the last five years. It's kind of sad to not be going for this year. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, and I could tangibly feel the increase of the crowds over the years. Like, um, they've really done a heck of a job, like, pulling more fans in and, you know, just, uh, you know, it's, they've definitely they've grown the popularity of the sport, uh, at least as far as the AO is concerned. Yeah. More people fly in for it, like, you know, but it, it, I don't know, the last couple of years, yeah, definitely, especially on that middle weekend, it just, you could really just feel overwhelmed by the crowd. You know, there'd be a match you wanted to see with some sort of mid, mid-range level ranked players. And you go there and there's just queues. The match has already started. It's full. There's queues around. It's like you can't even, without getting in there like a match or two before, you can't even see matches you want to see. And it's just like packed everywhere when you're walking around shoulder to shoulder. And then they like brag about the amount of people they've right. brought in. Like, oh, we've, the population, like the ticket sales are up so much this year and it's like uh it's not a good thing at this point <laughs> right, yeah yeah like where do they draw the line i mean obviously there's a limit to the yeah. number of people they can put on the main courts but the grounds it's so it's so fuss, fuzzy and that's the thing they can just pack it and i don't know i feel like there's this psychology most people when they see a line or a big crowd they're like oh that must be really fun and uh, it sounds like you're like me, where I'm just like, oh, could you, could you guys just go away? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I like I like a crowd, but it just it should be comfortable. And the the best days to go to a slam are the first four. Always, you just you just go yeah. everywhere. Everything is most things are pretty open. I mean, obviously there are matches that are a little tougher to see. But um, and there's good stuff. Great players on the outer courts. It's just much more fun. Uh, before the crowds really yeah. descend, so yeah, I'm hoping hoping to make it back in 2022. I'm kind of you know keeping an eye on it. Yeah, that'd be good. Just mm. gotta get my vaccine. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Pay my. Yeah, I haven't been following what's been going on with all that, all the different versions and where it's all at. But yeah, well, you guys don't have to worry about yeah. it as much. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you should all get yeah, it, I guess but so. it's still like. Yeah, the definitely. numbers are so much you have it so much more under control um so yeah i was talking to mm. another friend about mm. it and he didn't really know like here it's like oh fuck this is urgent we got to get this thing out because people are not staying home you know people are not abiding yeah the rules, true um or, you know the right the suggestions <laughs> yeah we just have suggestions here <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's happening now over there. Like they're rolling it, it out is. already. Both my dad and mom have uh, gotten the vaccine. My dad's in New York. My mom's in Florida. Um, they've they've both oh, gotten their first doses. I think according to the New York Times, like four percent of the country's had one dose. You know, but I it's huh. it's you know the vaccines existed for almost two months or been approved for a couple months and it's like they need to kind of step on the gas a little bit um so yeah it's just this crazy logistical problem it's you know what's frustrating about it is like it just seems like we should have been better prepared and you know obviously we had a a federal government that just didn't even want to acknowledge that the mm. disease existed so um yeah hopefully now that we have adults in control of things um you know <laughs> it will we'll get things moving but it's it's a hard problem you know it's it's no joke so we'll see 